0: Welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Wolf Moon. He's been on the show before and uh, we like to have him on the show here because we've been following Wolf's career for some time now and it was an easy one to predict his successes and um, we last did an interview the first day he arrived in Hollywood for the Rise of Future Awards event. So we're going to pick up from there. So welcome Wolf Moon.
1: Thank you, John. Pleasure to be here, and uh, to be able to talk to all the fans of Writers of the Future.
0: Great. So, um, you know, like I said, a lot's happened since that uh, first interview we did when you arrived in uh, in Hollywood. It's on the it's on the actual blog post of uh, um, Here Be Dragons, where we've got both the video interview that Emily did with you and the podcast interview that we did. It's out, both on that um, um, blog that's on ridersofthefuture.com. dot com. So. Just give us an update. What's happened since uh, we last spoke?
1: Well, just before I came to the Writers of the Future workshop and gala, um, that day I I had a revision I had to do for a magazine called Deep Magic. They are interested in my story that I had submitted. They wanted a few changes. So before I left, I made sure I sent that back to them. And so when I came home, the very first thing when I opened up my email, I had a sale. <laughs> they accepted my story, and so Deep Magic. I bought my story. Week No More for the Willow. It's a historical fantasy, and it's going to be in their fall edition. So that was that was nice to come back immediately to a sale. Absolutely. And yeah, and so uh, so kept the wind in my sails. It wasn't over yet. <laughs> and then I read the. Writers of the Future book, and you do actually worry about that, <laughs> so uh, it's such a big event, you know it's like, how can I top this? well, you, you just keep going with your career that's that's you build up momentum, yeah so anyway, I read the Writers of the Future book, and there was a great article in there about from Mike Resnick on uh, tips for embryonic prose, and so he brought out that. Writers need to be marketing their reprints to foreign markets. And I had never thought of that before. It was a very insightful article, something I never thought about. And so I started thinking about that. And I'd been doing podcasts for a magazine called Future Science Fiction Digest. It's a pro magazine they pay a 10 cents for. And I knew that they were backed by the Chinese Future Affairs Administration and translate many of their stories into Chinese, which is a huge market. So here's exactly what Mike Resnick was saying. Look for these foreign markets. So I pitched the editor. I knew they were doing a moon landing uh, 50th anniversary of that issue. And um, he, I told him I have a story, Super Duper Moon Girl and the Amazing Moon Doddler, and he loved it. And so he bought the reprint rights for it. And then he also hired me to do the podcast for it. So so that was another sale. And then um, in February or so of this year, I won the Critters Reader's Choice Award for Best Science Fiction and Fantasy Story of 2018. And that was 2,000 people voted on that. And that was a story called War Dog, the third flat iron publishing had, had published. And I wrote the sequel to that. And I sent it to a different anthology, and I sold that sequel. That just happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, Then aside from that, I've done several more podcasts. One's released today uh, for a Hugo winner named uh, Will McIntosh. And uh, that's over at Future Science Fiction Digest, just released about an hour or two ago. And then Gallery of Curiosities continues to hire me to narrate podcasts for them. And then I also... In February, went to the Superstars Writing Seminar, and Don Moss, who had represented me once before, um, said I, I pitched my novel to him. We had lunch together, and he said, "Send him anything I'm working on in any stage of development." And so I sent out a letter to him on on the projects that I'm working on, so I was able to make contact with Don again, and also Steve Feldberg, who's the Vice President of Audible. Uh, originals. He, uh, I pitched him my story, and he was very excited about it. And so I'm working on that novel now uh, to be able to send that off to Steve Feldberg. So, so those are a few of the things that have happened, plus some wonderful signings I can talk about too at Barnes and Noble that you guys set up for me, which was great.
0: Absolutely, that was that was really really good on that with the uh, Barnes and Noble signings that you did. Now on. Um a few specific things I wanted to go over with you because the purpose of this podcast, like I said, is to provide that, you know, a little bit of insight for the aspiring writer and artist. And I've been tracking your career um, just following as you've been posting, starting way back when you're posting your, your certificates as an honorable mention and finalist and and whatnot. The um, you're very aggressive as an author, you know, in terms of continuing to, pitch and put your brand out there. Can you tell me about that? Like, what's the significance of that? How do you see that plays a role in your development as an author?
1: Well, I think it's really important for people to get to know you. I would call it proactive um, because I've, I've seen some people's posts that are just, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Well, nobody wants to read a Facebook account that that's all they're saying. So you really, you want to develop what's called a brand and brand you want to get brand recognition. Well, as a writer, your brand is you. So you want people to like you, to know you, and to, if they like you and know you, and you say, hey, I just wrote this story and I'm really happy with it and it's about this, well, your friends are usually readers. That's who, who you hang out with, and, and they'll most likely go and buy that if they like you. Yeah. So it's really important to set up a social media account um and, and also a website where people can find out about you and then that will lead them to wanting to actually buy what you create. So so I I highly suggest that for people and I I was loath to set up my social media because I know how time consuming it is. But when after we got through some major life problems, uh, a couple years ago I had a sale to a professional anthology, professional paying anthology. Um, and I realized I now have to be a big boy, so suck it up, <laughs> set up your social media, start sharing your life with people. It takes time. Yes, it's time consuming, but you need to do this so that people know you're there. And as they know you're there, things start happening. Uh, I had I had my next sale after that because an editor. I was just chatting with him online, and he said, "What do you write? What have you written?" and uh, all of a sudden he's like well i'm doing this anthology and i would love to put one of your stories into it so you, you need those connections need to know you they need to like you so you really do need to be friends with people and social media is a way that you can accomplish that with a wider audience so yeah and one thing so that's too really that's really important and
0: another thing that's really important about that too with the big publishing houses or actually any publishing house if they're going to take on an unknown author they're going to know, they're going to be able to hedge their bet and know that it's going to be something that's worth their investment. And if you can come to the table with, I've already got, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 50,000 followers, this can be a lot easier for them to feel comfortable with taking you on and paying that advance um, to move forward with, you know, as you, as you move up. So it, there's a little more significance, too, because it's the, um, the paradigm has changed on, on what's being done right now to get that break into publishing. And it's such an important piece of the puzzle that you need to have filled.
1: That makes sense. And also they can look really quickly at your social media and tell whether you're a person that will be easy to work with or problematic. So, so it's really important to always be positive, friendly, say nice things, Um, try to keep the political stuff out of there. This is, this is the presentation of, of you as a writer and you as a good person. So, so you really want to focus on those things and establish your brand, which is, which is what they're buying. Actually. Uh, yeah. First they're buying you, then they're buying your writing. So
0: yeah, uh, that, you don't I mean,
1: ever want to work with jerks. You want to, you want to form a marriage with somebody that you really think you'll be able to have some good years with.
0: For sure. I mean, wasn't it Dave Farland talked about at the workshop that, you know, it's, there's a lot of good talent out there. So if you're going to have a choice, what would you choose? Somebody that's nice to work with or someone who's a jerk?
1: Absolutely. That's yeah. always the case.
0: Yeah. So, so um, um, now you've, you've worked a lot to like, um, go out and, and sell your book. You're, you're very, uh, enthusiastic. Okay. I'll, I'll use that word. Very enthusiastic about selling your books at any opportunity you can, can muster. Um, there's another author that I know was very much like that when he when I first started working with him. That was Kevin J. Anderson. He was one of the most um, hardworking authors I ever had met at that time, up to that point. At any convention, he'd go there and he'd be I, he'd be carrying his own books. He'd have under each arm he'd have a box of his books. He'd go someplace to, to set up and and sell his books. He doesn't do that anymore because he's now grown so much and he's you know, he's now invited to conventions and they pay his old, his old way. But at the time, he was, you know, he was schlepping, he was doing everything he had to do to really get and make that contact with his fans.
1: Yeah, and, and Kevin's an excellent example of that. He worked his way up. That's right. And you really do have to keep, you know, just keep leveling up, keep leveling up, keep leveling up. Um, and and a lot of that is just, you know, I mean, it is self-promotion, but when you love what, you're, what you do and you know other people love what you're doing, it's, it's really not. It's just making friends and connecting with people. And when I was in sales, a big part of selling isn't selling. It's actually teaching, and it's helping people to know you have something good for them, something they'll enjoy. And every reader out there wants a good book. If you can provide them with a great story, uh, they're going to get it. Uh, yeah. That's what they're seeking. So you're, you're actually the creator of something they need to help fulfill their lives, to entertain them, to lift them up. So so why wouldn't we be excited and enthusiastic about what we're doing? You know, it's, it's like we have something good. We have visions that we can share with people that can lift them up and, and make them smile, make them think, make them cry, but make them feel better about humanity, you know? So, mm-hmm. so, you know, when, when I go to a signing, um, which I've had some months signings, oh, I was going to say this about the books. I, I probably sold 50, 50 of the anthologies just on my own. Um, I reordered the, the day we were leaving Writers of the Future. I, I had all 12 of my gift copies from you guys already sold. Yeah. Because I had told... <laughs> On social media, I'm numbering these 1 through 12. You can get pre-released author copies from me. 1 of 12, 2 of 12, 3 of 12. And every one I had sold out. And when I came home, I had to ship my entire box out. So at the end of Writer of the Future, I ordered another box. I sold through that uh, with everybody else saying, can I get one of those? Can I get one of those? Um, So immediately, I sold 20 books, just shipping all of those out. And then I did readings. And... After reading, a whole bunch of books were sold, and other people heard about it and wanted books. Wherever I went dancing, I'd say, hey, I won this contest. It's like winning the Oscars in science fiction and fantasy. And I'd show them a picture, show them the book, or hand them a card, and they'd get really excited. They realized this is a big deal, and they tell me that. That's a big deal. Yeah,
0: and they wanted to
1: have me sign it to them. So, so it's just telling people, hey, something great happened to me. And I was, I've been trying to win this for 25 years and I go, congratulations, buddy. People are really happy for you. And they'll look at the pictures and they'll go, that is like winning an Oscar, you know? So you guys do a great job of, of elevating this and people recognize that it's important and that they want going to be a part of it. So, so, you know, what's not to be excited about and happy about, it's just how you go about it. You. You don't want to shove things down people's throats. You just want to say, hey, a wonderful thing happened. And, you know, at signings, you're there to say, hey, this happened to me, and I've got the books here. And they go, oh, like I had a lady at that I did Saturday. She goes, oh, I read science fiction. Show me your book. You know, and she put it right on the spot. So so it's just being friendly, uh, asking people about their lives, too. And, hey, I've got this here. Would you like me to sign it for you? Oh, sure. You know, let's get one. So. It's it's not hard if you're if you're proactive, friendly, and always thinking. Hey, I got to tell you what's happened. So,
0: and that's how you're going to build up your own fan base. I mean, you've got that's what it takes. You've got to just do the work, talk to people, just pounding the pavement. There's so many success stories using that formula. That it's just it's you know anybody that's looking at trying to find some other secret, you know, take take this, you know, this particular pill, and all of a sudden I'm going to be an overnight success. It just doesn't happen that way
1: no you've got you've got to work it, it doesn't and, and that's one thing that can happen You go to writer of the future and say all right my whole career is going to open up before me and it's like well how did you get there you got a <laughs> bunch of work to get there yeah well it doesn't end then yeah So yeah, you have great credit now you have to go use that credit to level up again you know that's not the end that's just the start you know of a professional writing career that's right so you actually have to use that credit to try to leverage yourself up further along until one day as you keep leveraging yourself up you'll be a kevin anderson you'll be an orson scott card you'll be david farland so um yeah you just what you're doing is you're thinking progressively you're always mm-hmm. thinking well how can i tell people my story how can i share my brand with people which is really how can I tell you about me, and how can you tell me about yourself? And together you lift one another up. So
0: That's right. Now, then one thing... the other yeah. thing... I'll just go ahead.
1: Oh, you want to keep sending your stories out, and you need good credits. You do have a wonderful one with Writers of Future. have the best credit a new writer can have. So you do want to put that in your cover letters. And I'm getting to the point now, which is, you know, after... I said, you know, two years ago, and it's in my other blogs and posts with you guys as to my goals and how I, how I built up to this point, but you need to, you need to have good credits. It'll lift you right up out of the slush. Well, I'm at the point now where I'm throwing away what I used to think were good credits because I have these great pro sales now. So, and what you find is that you get really good responses back from the editors because they recognize oh they can see you're up and coming they can see this this is this brand is rising so so anyway I want to keep sending stories out and keep updating uh, your social media your website I just did a bunch of updates to mine yesterday so that people people see ah you know this this is exciting this is growing this this person is going somewhere um, but you do it it's not bragging, it's just being proactive about your career and telling people, here's where I am, here's what I'm doing now, you know, here's here's what happened now. And you make sure when people say like and wow, happy for you, you go over to their site and you tell them, happy for you too. I love this post, you know, you you, you pay back everybody. And that really works. Everybody lifts a, a rising tide, lifts all boats, and that's kind of what it's like.
0: Yeah you're just getting ready to start the workshop when we last spoke. So tell me about like what, what you gain from the workshop.
1: Um, most important thing you gain is that you have all these pros flown in that are actually up above you telling you how you get there. And that's vital. You, As a new writer, it's very hard to get that kind of time with those people because they're very busy, but they actually come to the workshop not to they're there to help you i mean the whole focus that's that was the amazing thing is that they aren't there to sell their stuff they're actually there to help you lift you up and they're trying to tell you here's what you need to do at this point and here's eventually what you'll need to do to get where i'm at so that was just vital um and i also liked at the workshop uh, our instructors were Orson Scott Card, Kevin J. Anderson, and Tim Powers. Tim Powers is is a personal hero of mine. I write historical fantasy because I love *On Stranger Tides*, one of my favorite books. Yeah. And Tim Powers wrote it. Um, and uh, here they were teaching it for the week. But what I really found fascinating, and and I love it that you guys did this, you gave us not just one instructor. We had three there, and then at the end of the week, as all the pros come in. I mean, we probably had twenty different instructors for an hour each, uh, in rotating, telling us all their secrets. So, I mean, that it, it's happening so fast, you're just you're you're taking notes as quick as you can, referring back to them. Um, but I love that they had different viewpoints. Our three instructors did. Often, they would totally disagree as to here's what you needed to do. It <laughs> yeah, was great. It's hilarious. <laughs> And you go, this is the way you should do it. And the next one say, no, this is the way you should do it. And the other one say, no, this is how you should do it. And and you listen to it, and you kind of laughed inside, because that's kind of how writing advice is. But then you realize there are many different paths to that horizon that you want to get to. And so you pick and choose what works for you, and you guys provide that ability for us. And then Dean Wesley Smith came in uh, at the end when he flew in for the gala, and he had an entirely totally polar opposite viewpoint on what to do in publishing because he's an indie publisher where the others were traditional mostly yeah and so you got to you got to choose from a buffet is what it was like and it was a beautiful buffet we're all buffet where all the chefs come in and they're saying this is this is my best dish and you go okay that one's good i like that over here i'll take a little of that and you put it together and then you chart your own your own course and that's what. I was writing in that article that you asked me to do Here Be Dragons for yeah. the Writers of the Future blog. And and really each writer has to chart their own course. You learn from others, you you talk to experienced mariners, um, you hear hear about the pitfalls and perils, you try to stay away from the dragons that'll eat you, but they're gonna try anyway. And you just you just keep heading towards that horizon and each person has to cut their own course to get there. But you can learn a lot from, when, when you bring in prose like that, man, there's just so much knowledge there you can tap into. And even if it can't you can't remember it all consciously, subconsciously, it's going to sit there with you and keep helping you.
0: Exactly. So for the aspiring writer, what's the value, you know, from your own perspective, what's the value of Writers of the Future?
1: Writers of the Future gives you a a goal, a target, um, just by entering every quarter, uh, which is the goal everybody should set, uh, because you want to win that contest. It's going to help your career, but just by trying to meet a goal of entering a new story, a fresh story, every quarter, you're going to write a lot more. That's going to force you to write a lot more. You're going to have, you're going to have, you know, a, a destination that you can reach, and you keep, as you keep doing that, you'll develop skills of beating deadlines, uh, writing fresh stories, doing, uh, the edits that are necessary to make it clean and professional. And uh, as you keep doing that, you're going to actually become a professional writer. That will, that's what's going to happen. And I've watched it happen on the writers of future forum. There are many people in there who become so professional in the contest every quarter that actually pro out before they can become one of the 12 winners. So, um. It happens because people develop the skills not just to win the contest. They actually develop the skills necessary to become a professional writer. And the things you learn entering every quarter and setting goals and meeting deadlines are things that you are absolutely necessary to become a professional writer. You have to write to become a professional writer. You have to write a lot to become a professional writer. And Writer of the Future teaches that whether you actually become one of those 12 or not. That's your hope. That's what you want to happen. Uh, fortunately, it happened for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I've seen others pro out, and, and that's great, too. That was the whole point is you sold to professional magazines and you, you launched a career. That's, that's what you want to do. And hopefully you get to do it through Writers of the Future because it's going to be the best credit and best experience you'll ever have as a writer. I firmly believe that.
0: Well, that's, that's excellent. Yeah, that's one thing that Erwin um, Hubbard is a writer when he used to write in the pulps because he was writing about 100,000 words a month. And he had said, this is one time when he, he taught a class at Harvard was, um, you know, just throw away your first 100,000 words. And they at that point, they became just, it, it totally violated their sense of what to do. So they were like um, a, uh, they had a problem with that because they were interested in, you know, graduating their class of creative writing with their 5,000 words, maybe 10,000 words, and that was that. And he was saying, you know, it takes like a million words to really build up your voice. You know, what's your voice as, as a writer? And um, he was he was uh, amazing how he was able to do that. And, of course, he created the contest to be able to pay that forward. And some of the first judges were his cohorts back in the 30s and 40s, um, some of the first judges. You know, and, and some of the names that have lent their their their. Um, their name to the contest because of its of its value and its significance has really been a, you know amazing. Some of the biggest names in in the in the genre, like Frank Herbert, was you know he was a judge at, at the get go, and um, several others who see the importance of being able to pay it forward and wanting to do that. And the result is you know people like yourself now. Um, I mean, I easily can see uh, Pat Rothfuss when he won the contest in I think it was volume 22 maybe, um, it was some years ago, with his uh, Road to Levenshire, which is a chapter from his first novel. Um, and that book is now sold out, you know, because people want that short story because it's they can't get it otherwise. And I'm looking forward to the day when volume 35 is sold out because they want that copy of Moon Girl, you know, the uh, super-duper...
1: Super-duper Moon Girl and yes. Amazing Moon Dollar.
0: Yes, they're anxious to get that story, and that's the first place that was actually published and wanting to get that as is, is, is one of those very valuable must-have stories.
1: What's What's cool about that story, that I, uh, it, I've had almost every day people writing to me, posting on social media, looking up my email, going to my... Driftweave.com account and uh, leaving me messages there that they read the story, uh, they they love the story, they uh, they read it to their kids, uh, and and I mean young kids that I didn't think this story would would reach and and like one seven year old boy that the mom read the story to, I mean that's always talked about all summer. She says is moon doddler and super duper moon girl. It's all they can talk about. Another guy said, my daughter doesn't, she's about the same age as Dixie in this story. He said, my daughter doesn't read anything. And I told her, read this. And he said, she read it and she loved it. And I read it to my son, who was younger than, I think, I think he's around that seven-year-old age. And he said, all he does is play Doom games. And he said, within the first page, he was in rapt attention. And he he said, even I, when I got to the end reading it to him, he said, I started choking up. I couldn't read it very well, the ending, (laughs) because it it, it grabbed them so much. Well, I'm getting comments after comments like that, so much so that people are saying, write the sequel. Well, I have started the next story, but I also, that was another thing I did, is I applied for a grant and, and said, this has won this contest, and I have so many people asking for sequels that I would like to, there's a grant for actually um writing stories for people. And so I've applied for that and that would really help me to get all the things I need to make an anthology of super duper moon girl stories. So, and I've written part of the next story that, that follows it. So
0: is that, be, anyway, is that, so, is that got a novel down the road on that one?
1: Uh, it would be, it'd be kind of like the Martian Chronicles. It, it looks like a novel when you read Ray Bradbury's yeah. Martian Chronicles, but they're actually each standalone stories. But they kind of link together. They they kind of follow a timeline. Yeah. So okay. That's what I plan. Okay. Yeah, that's so, that's, that's so a good plan. The next one actually will be <clears throat> Super Duper Moon Girl and the Prancing Pony. That's going to be the next story there. <laughs> so,
0: okay. okay. Good. So, um, anyway, any other particular uh, tips you've got for the aspiring writer? Now that you've got their, their rapt attention listening to you here, anything else you could say for the aspiring writer?
1: Join Writers of the Future Forum. Um, I have a, basically, it's my blog, The Win Writers of the Future, but it's actually about how to become a professional writer, write professional stories. And it's called Moon's uh, Super Secrets. And you'll find it if you join the forum. Uh, we have other good things coming up. But that that one super secret, Moon Super Secrets blog, uh, the Super Secrets Challenge, I've got 32,000 views on that now. And I just started that you know, start of the year. So a lot of people are reading it and they said it's why they started it. You know, that too, they write to me about and say, I started writing again because of your super secrets topic, or some of, some of them actually became finalists in the contest reading the secrets and then wrote to me and said, I did that because of your help. So, So that's been very rewarding. And it's to me crazy that you want to win this contest, but you, you don't join the forum where everybody trying to win the contest is sharing everything they know about it to win it. <laughs> and uh, a lot of the winners are in there. I've watched person after person since I've been a member uh, be, move from getting certificates into becoming semifinalists into becoming finalists and winners. So, so there's no other place where so many winners come from than that Writers of the Future forum. And people should join it. And if you're serious about winning the contest, why aren't you there? I mean, that's just to me. It's like you want to win. Here's everybody sharing everything they know on how to win, and so I really encourage people to enter that. So
0: good, and that's easy to join too. Just by going to the com, clicking on the form, you can join. It's it's so simple.
1: Yes, yeah. and and then it's being persistent. Now, share this from the workshop. This is uh, from uh, Rebecca Molesta, Kevin J. Anderson's wife, and. She said, sheer writing talent won't determine your success. She said, there's lots of super good writers out there. But then she said, and I'm I'm quoting here, she said, persistence is probably the biggest determination of your success. Pounding your head against the wall until you knock a brick out. (laughs) And uh, then Kevin uh, thought that was great. I love that. Uh, But then Kevin, uh, her husband said after that, Kevin J. Anderson, he said, how to be an overnight success in 20 years or less. He said people are seen splashing onto the scene, but uh, nobody realizes that they've been working at it for years. That's right. So so, like I know for you, when I set up my social media account and started posting each quarter, I I got each quarter, I got my writer of the future honorable mention or higher certificate. I post stacks of them in a row and you saw that and you Friended me on Facebook, and then I started getting different sales in different places, um, pro paying, but they weren't pro sales because I didn't have the 5,000 hits rule, so I was still good to enter the contest. And uh, you you made a post on there. I feel like I'm watching a professional writing career about to launch, and that was about six months before everything happened for me. But you saw it before it happened. Because you saw, I think the persistence yep. and the results I was getting because of my persistence. So, so you actually w- were at the point where you saw me about banging my head against the wall for so <laughs> long, bricks were actually starting to pop out of the wall, and I was, I was, I was breaking through. <laughs> and that yeah. was my breakthrough moment. So,
0: Which was an awesome so moment.
1: That's really what you have to do. You just you just just keep keep. Doing, you keep. I mean, they say throw mud against the wall and see what sticks, but you actually you just keep throwing your hardest punches until you break through. You just keep doing
0: it. You have to. Well, you definitely set a good example on that. So, for people who want to find out more about you, how do they how do they find you?
1: Well, let's see. On Facebook, I'm at wolf.moon.94. Uh, that's wolf with a W U L F, and then on My website, it's driftweave.com, and that's D-R-I-F-T-W-E-A-V-E dot com. And i love to have people sign up for uh, my blog posts there and or make a comment, or if you go there, you'll see all the podcasts. I've got listings of my podcasts and what I've had published so you can find out more about what I'm doing over there. And, again, join the forum. Uh, Writer of the Future forum will help anybody that's trying to win the contest and anybody that wants to write professionally, you'll, you'll learn so much there.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so very much, Wolf. I'm very much, um, looking forward to continue seeing your, uh, career as it goes. And obviously your the sequel to the, your moon dollar story. Cause it was such a, an amazing story. And I too had to, um, uh, get a tissue to get something out of my eye. Obviously that, that got in there to get that tear that formed.
1: <laughs> well, Good. That's, that was that was my objective to write a story well, that actually touched the heart. So it absolutely Glad did. It
0: did, absolutely. Glad it did. And thank you all for listening to the Writers of the Future podcast. Again, this is a podcast that's been created to help the aspiring writer and artist to have their creative efforts seen and acknowledged. Created by Owen Hubbard originally in 1983, it's uh, the longest running science fiction contest that exists out there, and we're now up to year 36, and um, looking forward to many more years following that, and many more. Wolf Moon's headed our way yet. Thank you very much.